0: Bucks, never stop here. You're listening to Green and Growing, hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Nathan Marzion. Hey, it's see
1: Sparky Pfeiffer, 1250 AM, The Fan, along with our guy, Ken Barkley. You better, you bet. Of course, BetMGM, a part of that great show with him and Nick Casos, a uh, part of the BetQL Radio Network. Download their podcast if you miss any of their shows that they do there. Uh, And always a pleasure to have him. Follow him on Twitter at Lockie Lockerson. So from Curtin Long to green and growing, talking some uh, Bucs basketball, some NBA basketball, each and every Wednesday we'll do this. It'll be up Wednesday afternoon each and every week uh, for you to get some more NBA insight uh, from our guy Ken Barkley. Before we get to the NBA, quickly your thoughts on what happened at the Super Bowl.
0: Oh, man, Um, a great game and a really flawed game. So it was like, it was awesome for a bunch of reasons. Mahomes was great. Hurts was maybe even better, but obviously didn't win. Uh, The game will be talked about, unfortunately, for two things. One, the call on Bradbury, which is a penalty, but like we can, it's not even worth spending the entire podcast on, Um, you know, like there's two arguments to that, right? One is, hey, if it's a penalty, in the first quarter then there has to be a penalty in the fourth quarter which i totally understand the counter to that is well they literally threw no defensive holding flags the entire game the one thing players hate the most is inconsistency and how the game is officiated um and the officiating was inconsistent because they didn't call anything and then they called that so it's just you know it's like you can make an argument for both sides whatever unfortunately it kind of decided the game to a certain extent and then the other part's going to be the field conditions which were just like an absolute disaster so it's like kind of tragic because yeah, two really, really good teams. Yeah, two awesome quarterback performances. And it's like, oh, that was the game where everyone flipped and fell and they threw a flag. Like that's actually what happened. So and where Rihanna was like pregnant but gave an awesome halftime show kinda anyway. Um so kind of like weird how it'll be remembered historically probably, but Mahomes was awesome. Uh, they're the favorite next year and they should be.
1: Ken, the one thing I'll remember is doing a pretty long podcast with you, the spread being one way, and dramatically changing before we actually got to kick off of the Super Bowl. That can't have happened very much, I don't think, in Super Bowl history. That was crazy.
0: Sure, I think what it speaks to, honestly, because so here's what happens for people who don't really know how like point spreads get made, like a uh, you know people that run sports books, uh, several of them will kind of keep their own set of power rankings. And these aren't, like, going to win you, you know, a lot of money or anything, but it just kind of helps them. Like, all right, when we put out a number right away, like, can we be in the zip code, basically? Like, can we be pretty close? Sure. And then that way, like, the when bettors are betting into you, you at least know that you're not, like, that far off, probably. Like, if we keep our own ratings and they're pretty good, the opener will be, like, fine. It won't be – it'll be a little far off, but it won't be that far off. And a lot of places, like a lot of sports books that kept their own ratings, actually have the Chiefs as better. Which was kind of interesting. Not better, like you're betting at the window, like as a better team on a neutral field by a very small amount. So some books actually opened the Chiefs as favorites, basically just using their like internal ratings, not knowing how the market would respond. And the market response was like hard toward Philadelphia actually being like a little bit better on a neutral field. So yeah, it doesn't happen all the time, but I, I think the interesting thing it's like just that you know, the basically the sports book ratings, which, you know, they don't bet off of. Obviously, they just use them to create these openers. And you can't bet a lot right at open and stuff anyway. Just they all kind of had the Chiefs as a little better. And the people who bet and like the market kind of had the Eagles as a little better. And at least in this one situation, uh, the initial sportsbook ratings maybe were more accurate. Also it was like really a coin flip game, I feel like, where it, you know, they don't throw the flag, Earth gets the ball. What happens there? Are The Chiefs actually stopping them. So, you know, just kind of like a coin flip kind of seems to apply to so many aspects of this.
1: No doubt. Uh, okay, Ken Barkley. So uh, let's uh, switch gears now, Green Growing Podcast, uh, and get to the Bucs in the NBA. Bucks riding an 11-game winning streak. Uh, they beat, essentially, the bench of the Boston Celtics, and it was a struggle to beat the Bucks bench. Thanks to Drew Holiday uh, playing out of his mind, they were able to get that win. Uh, And right now, uh, sitting, what, a half game behind the Celtics for the number 1 seed uh, in the Eastern Conference. I think most of the year, everybody thought it was Milwaukee and Boston. As we head into the All-Star break, it's clear that it's probably just Milwaukee and Boston in the East right now.
0: Yeah, I would be inclined to agree. I'm sure there's some people in Philadelphia that are pretty upset with that analysis that we just gave. Maybe some people in
1: Cleveland. You have Doc Rivers. You have Doc Rivers as a coach, James Harden on your team, both chokes in the playoffs. I'm sorry. I can't take you seriously until y'all do something.
0: Oh, I I totally understand. And honestly, like Cleveland is going to end up being one of the great stories of this year because they're just so good. For sure. And they're going to win a ton of games. You know, Mitchell missed some time, obviously. And that's one of the reasons why their record is uh, worse than than what Milwaukee's record is right now. I just in the playoffs, I'll be interested to see them. But they've kind of got the same. It's not the same problem Philly has, but it's the same problem a lot of teams have. Just we kind of have to see you do it like at least maybe even a couple times before we're like, okay, like this can happen. And I love Donovan Mitchell, but he, he hasn't really had a lot of playoff success even when he was with Utah and nobody else on the team has had basically any playoff success short of Kevin Love, who doesn't really play anymore. So I think, you know, even if you're just taking Milwaukee and Boston. So I agree with you. Right? I think those are the two best teams. I think most people think those are the two best teams. The really funny thing historically in the NBA is when you look at title teams, all of them, and I guess this isn't surprising, but it's worth noting, all of them are defined by having like a, a number one player, a superstar player of a certain caliber, with very rare exceptions right, like the Pistons team that beat the Lakers and what was that, 4 or whatever that was when the Lakers all hated each other and Kobe and Shaq, like, wanted to divorce immediately. Um, Short of, like, that team, that one team, you look at the last 40 years, the best player on the title team fits a certain profile. They've accomplished certain things historically. Their metrics are of a certain caliber, like the way we rate players. They all, every single one of them except that Pistons team, fits the profile. Okay, well, the Bucs have a guy like that, obviously. And the Celtics don't. So I think if you're like trying to parse the difference between the two teams, Tatum is just not that yet. And that doesn't mean he can't be, he could be that in the next couple of years. He's still pretty young, but like that one of the things that was interesting about the finals last year is golden state had a guy like that and Boston didn't and golden state won. And I think if we see Milwaukee and Boston, people are going to be like, well, Boston beat Milwaukee last year and Middleton was hurt. So that kind of obscures things. I just think in terms of likelihood to win the NBA title not even if they played each other or whatever, likelihood to win the NBA title, history tells us, like, you need a guy, like, and Giannis is that guy, and Boston doesn't have a guy like that.
1: Yeah, I I totally agree. And I I think you're right on the money uh, with that. Whenever uh, you and I talk, we always talk about, you know, uh, the spread and betting against the spread and certain teams, the NFL uh, were really good against the spread throughout the season. Other teams, maybe uh, not as much. Uh, are there a couple of teams that people are making a bunch of money on this year in the NBA? Cause they keep covering the spread.
0: Well, you know, what's so funny is, so the answer is yes. If you kind of look at the first three months of the season, right? Cause we, it, NBA markets taking a lot of money, like, the market's going to figure out pretty fast if you were, like, not what we expected, either bad or good, sure. right? If you were much better than we expected or much worse. So, like, the surprise teams this year blitzed the first, like, three months of the season against the spread. So who is that? That's Oklahoma City, for sure. Uh, they're, they're still the best ATS team in the NBA. But, like, especially in the first few months of the year, nobody thought that was going to be anything. Utah was definitely one of those teams. Now, they have started losing a lot more recently. But in the first two to three months, You can find, like, those consistent – okay, like, Oklahoma City's way better than we thought. Uh, Utah's way better than we thought. Cleveland's way better. Sacramento's way better than we thought. Those teams, like, cover, 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 cover. And then, you know, obviously you have the bad teams. You have San Antonio and Houston. Charlotte, for sure, is one of those teams on the opposite end. Miami is one of those teams on the opposite end. It was a one seed last year. When you get to this point in the year, it becomes – at least in my opinion, at least – what do I know? It becomes more about short-term – kind of, like, comings and goings. Obviously, you have a bunch of guys switching teams. You're going to have the buyout market open here uh, at the start of March, basically. Like, the composition of the teams is going to change a lot, and a lot of times that can lead you to, like, a one-week or a two-week burst of success. Maybe you're about to go on a really tough road trip. And like, so, okay, you might Sacramento fits that description. Their schedule is impossible. The rest of the season, they're probably going to lose a lot more. And then you might have a team. I think Toronto might actually start playing a lot better because they didn't trade anybody. And they got Jakob Pertl, who's apparently awesome. So it's just, these are like these little small two week snapshots, one week snapshots. You got to try to figure out like who are the teams at that exact moment, that seemed likely to kind of go on a run.
1: So in these leagues that play a ton of games uh, outside of the NFL, NHL, NBA, MLB, it is a lot of the money made early on in the season with these kind of surprise teams. And then as the season goes on and you play these million games, it kind of levels itself out.
0: But you know, what's funny Sparky is just, it kind of goes back to this, like the age old adage. And this applies to gambling too. Like more than like, you know, was it more than one way to skin a cat, basically something like that. Like you can sure. Like, can you make money if you would if you're kind of on the surprise team before everyone else is right like you kind of have some knowledge of the team that maybe the market t- doesn't totally have yet you know i see something in oklahoma city that other people don't see i see something in utah that other people don't see then yeah for like a while to start the year you will probably be like on that team and you will probably have some success now you're going to get that team wrong sometimes too sure. like you know i thought i thought you know the bulls were going to be one of those teams or whatever and the bulls stink. The first couple months of the year, so yeah, like it can be on being on like the surprising team early, but that honestly, that peters out pretty fast because we all figure it out, right? Sure. We all, We all collectively go, hey, you know who's really good, Lori Markin, and Utah's actually pretty good. Maybe we should upgrade how we think about them in the betting market. So it all becomes like a very well, it's a complex process. It's based on like who is playing on any given night, which is obviously very important. And in the NBA, injuries are just everything. Like who is playing and who is not. Home road splits are incredibly important. Very few teams are good on the road. Some are disasters on the road. It's important to know that. And then it's just kind of short-term. Like, how are they playing the last couple of weeks? Have they gotten a player back from injury and they're likely to play well? Or the opposite? Or they just lost somebody to injury and, man, that guy, like, matters a lot in terms of how they play. Like, all of those things collectively. is one of the reasons why betting NBA is so difficult. Night to night, it's like combining all of those things.
1: When I uh, used to go out to Vegas uh, back when the Stardust was a thing, Uh, That casino. Uh, I remember hanging out with a bunch of the regulars out there that lived in Vegas and so forth, and they were all hot to try. They never bet point spread. They always bet over under. And back then, uh, they were always betting the under. And then they were telling me, second of a back-to-back, if it's both of them, you can always guarantee the under at this point. Uh, How is that over-under play in the NBA versus the point spread? Are more people gambling on that than the actual point spread, do you think?
0: I think for casual bettors, like the the majority of the betting public, I think they're more likely to bet point spreads uh, than totals because it's just it's like easier to conceptualize. Sure. I think it's the right way to think about it, right? Like, I, I have an opinion about this team. I think they're going to kill it tonight or, like, that team stinks and I want to play against them. Whatever it is, like, that's going to justify itself as a point spread bet more than a total bet. You know what's so funny about the people you just mentioned, though? Because, I, you know, I have some frame of reference for this, too, and, and know a lot of people uh, that bet professionally or, or, or used to or just started. The uh, totals used to be so much easier to beat. So the people that you used to go to Vegas and talk to, I have no doubt that they killed it. Like, they raked in money. Like, they were handed, like, like uh, rich uncle penny bags. and the Like, they were handed a bag with a dollar I got right. it by betting totals. And this is true in college basketball as well and just sports betting today even versus like two years ago but especially five years ago 10 years ago 20 years ago the same stuff doesn't work like everyone knows it so like back to backs in the nba we all got it we all know that that's a big deal (laughs) like we understand how much of a big deal it is it is built into the market completely injury information is like so tough to like it's very public everyone knows who's out and not out just think about like 20 years ago like nobody had a cell phone. How are you going to figure out who was playing that night? You could probably beat some point spreads that way by just knowing who was out and who was not out before everybody else. did. can't do that now. Like, Woj just tweeting every five seconds about what's happening. So it's just all of the edges that betters used to have, like in the 90s and in the 2000s, they're basically all gone. And part of that's like the information age you know, how like how we get injury information, but also just like all aspects of the game. We just know them more. We know them faster and more people know them. So they're just kind of they're always baked into the market in a way that maybe they weren't when you were talking to those guys back in the day.
1: I got one last question for you, then we'll wrap up and again, we're going to do this every Wednesday. You can download it every Wednesday uh, afternoon, you download your favorite podcast. Uh, so do you think the NBA is a tougher bet than the National Football League?
0: I think they're the two toughest bets would be, like, the right way to put it, I think. And I think the reason for that, well, first of all, they take the most money. So a really, really, really good rule of thumb, and I'm, I'm sure people don't think about this when they're betting They're like, you know, $20 on an NFL game or right. whatever. Uh, the market that takes the most, mo- the, the highest limits, the biggest bets, is likely to be the sharpest one to be the smartest one because yeah. just think about that like if you let's say you had the ability to beat any market you were like a super genius you had the ability to like know all things access to information you built an insane like betting model with a bunch of algorithms like you could solve any problem okay where would you spend your time you would spend your time in the place where you could make the most money right and for and for bettors like that have that ability or have that acumen the NFL and the NBA would be the two things you would target first the NFL by far but then the then to a lesser extent the NBA and college football would probably be the other one. So like you the ability to beat those point spreads, it's going to be way tougher. Whereas if you're let's say you became a super fan of like the Australian basketball league or something, then you probably have to live in Australia to get really good information. But like the limits are so much less on those games. Like the the big fish, like they're not betting at Australian basketball sure. or whatever, or they're not betting like prop markets in hockey. Or something like you know shots on goal. Well, like I can only bet twenty bucks on that. So as a professional better, like why am I going to put all this time in to bet my twenty dollars and then have the sportsbook be like, well actually tomorrow you can only bet ten dollars because you're so good at it because wow. like you're too good at it. Okay, but for the casual better, twenty dollars is great. Yeah, like awesome. So like if you're if you're like hold if you're just if that's your your bag that's your jam then like that's kind of what you should be working on probably or thinking about. Now it's not as fun, which is why like people won't do it, but just like a good rule of thumb, if you're thinking about like trying to win at something, okay, who am I competing against? If you're betting the Super Bowl or you're betting the NFL on a weekly basis, you're competing against the best of the best people way smarter than me, way smarter than me. I'm like on the first percentile of that market. And then, but if you bet like shots on goal, hockey props, It might just be you and like one other dude or something, like betting (laughs) into it. That might be it. So your comp might be just me and you, Sparky, just firing into shots on goal props. So and that, so just you know, if the goal is actually to win. Just something to keep
1: in mind. Yeah, that is awesome. Kev Barkley, he's the best. Follow him on Twitter at and I can't wait to do this as part of the greeting and Growing podcast going throughout the rest of the NBA season on Wednesdays. Again, You Better You Bet, part of the BetQL Radio Network. I brought to you, of course, by BetMGM. Thank you so much, my friend. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk next Wednesday. Sounds good, Sparky. Thanks.